friends, welcome to episode 72 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I am Sarah. And I'm Rob. How are we doing, Rob? Holy Lord. <laughs> Today has been a bit of an ordeal, has it not? Oh, man, if it wasn't one thing, it was literally another. It was literally another. So uh, for those of you who listen to the show pre- or, you know, pre-recorded um, and don't listen to it live on MixLR.com, uh, we basically just got power back, like, what, 40 minutes ago? If you I don't even think it was that much. Yeah, maybe maybe 20 minutes ago, something like that. I think so. it was a half an hour ago. Let's it go was, with a half hour. It was real tight, though. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we were not certain we were going to be, be able to uh, record the show. Yeah. Uh, if you work for DTE, thank you. You did a great job. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. So, um, so we got our power back. We're back online. We're uh-huh. here. We, uh, we're live. Uh, I actually got the pre-show started, so I'm... I'm a little, and and that wasn't even the day. Like there was all work stuff and all kinds of other things that went along with it. So, but I'm here. I'm here for Wednesday night therapy. <laughs> <laughs> now, on the upswing, uh, yeah. I have sitting right here in front of me. In fact, I'm fanning through them for yes. the first time right now. Yes, uh, the Adventurers Tarot. Yeah, this is by uh, Weird Works LLC. It was a um, uh, uh, Kickstarter that was produced and uh, uh, a, a bit over a year ago. I want to say not by much. Um, and basically their, their initial plan was to make an alternative to initiative for uh fifth edition. Uh, and so they produced a, a, a deck. Now this isn't like a tarot deck, although it has similar qualities in many ways. It actually has 105 cards in it. It's got quite a bit. It is a chonky boy. It is a chonky boy and it is very pretty. Uh, oh God, and it is, it is done. It is like gold um there's like gold foil yeah. like inlays on them and yeah and the cards, cards are a good size too the artwork is gorgeous um so, yeah yeah, uh, yeah. So it's it's funny though that these came in coincidentally today yes when uh, we were talking about alternatives yeah alternatives to dice and uh, it is very much alternative we'll get to it we'll talk about it i uh, but, uh, I, I had a, i had a funny conversation with someone earlier sure um so i'd, I'd mentioned i'd gotten back into uh uh well started playing eve Echoes, oh that's right that's right uh the mobile version of eve online and so the uh the leader of my corporation uh i, I he's he's a listener of the show and uh, you, is also a you know a, a, a big gamer himself and stuff like that. We'll we'll banter about gaming while we're while we're playing Eve. We appreciate that you stopped playing with your spreadsheets long enough to uh, join our <laughs> show. So. Uh, oh, they're, they're diet spreadsheets. This they're is diet the mo- spreadsheets. This is a mobile game. Yes. Um, but uh, he he mentioned to me earlier. He says. Uh, uh, he says, "Don't don't ever let my wife hear this show, though." He says, "Because if she finds out that there are alternatives to dice, that it's not necessary to play role playing games." I'm going to be in big trouble. And I said, whoa, 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 hold the phone, hold the phone. What do you mean you're going to be in big trouble? <laughs> and he's like, I may or may not have spent four digits on dice at Dragon Con last year. Four digits on dice is a lot of dice or some very expensive dice, which I've seen. Which I've, I've seen. seen some very expensive dice. I've also seen some very expensive dice holders and bags and, uh-huh. you know, uh, I'm trying to think of the, the people who do the really nice wooden magnetic enclosures oh uh, uh, wormwood wormwood they, yeah, they make wor- some beautiful pieces wormwood has some, some not some to say they pieces. couldn't send some our way if they wanted to sponsor us or something like that well i um. I, I, I did actually <laughs> I, I did actually say too i was like you know i was like uh uh, uh you know you should, this issue all, all the reason you should be using alternatives to dice i said because it's hard to spend a thousand dollars on something that you know is just a jenga like i defy you to spend four digits on a jenga tower he's like I don't know, I could get, like, that, you know, fine, you know, Tibetan mahogany, you know, (laughs) Jenga tower, and I'm like, you know, actually, come to think of it, I'm sure Wormwood has one of those. I am certain that either Wormwood or uh, the guys who build those epic tables... uh, Yeah, the... is that still Wormwood? It's still Wormwood. Wormwood does... Because it's Wormwood. There's somebody else who's involved in that stuff who makes really crazy stuff, like boxes and stuff, that isn't Wormwood. I'm trying to remember who they are. Oh, I'm, I'm sure there's a couple companies. But either way, like, yeah. those guys, I mean, they, they get some crazy, crazy different types of Oh, they of wood. do, yeah. If, I mean, if you take your ser- your hobby seriously and you want to spend yeah, that kind of money yeah, on it, then, yeah. you know, by all means. I mean, hey, look, 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 look. You and I are going to hem and haw about this a little bit because, mm-hmm. I mean, those price tags are pretty um, respectable. No, no, no. But do not get but, me wrong. Holy cow! I, like there have been a couple times where I'm looking at this price tag, going, maybe. maybe oh no, no. Maybe I fully will. It, you know? I fully will be ordering a wormwood table once I get the ba- basement done, and we can actually get together without you know 
full environmental suits. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. you know, absolutely. Because I, I miss getting together with my folks. Yeah. And having a nice handcrafted quality table that's literally designed for the art is something to be said. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about alternatives here. We are. Yes. We are. Uh, and so- we're not going to say on open mic that you could play 5th edition or any D&D game without dice. Because that would be rude to your friend. <laughs> that would be extraordinary. So we're not rude. saying that. And honestly, it would be a little challenging, I think, doing a, El- tact- a full tactical game that way. Elderwood. Elderwood, thank you. Elderwood thank you. Elderwood, thank, thank, thank you. Thank you very much, Vicky. Yes. Um, so, but anyways, um, the uh, the systems that, we, that we've talked about, we've talked mm-hmm. about Jenga towers, we've talked about um, uh, cards, we've talked about... Um, <laughs> We've talked about LARPing yeah. and using your hands, yeah. but we've never really done a show on it. And so this kind of fills in that gap to kind of help you guys find what what might be different. I mean, because you never know. You may find yourself camping with mm-hmm. friends. You may find yourself in a hotel room because, you know, power went out and the convention's closed or whatever. Mm-hmm. And people are saying, hey, can you run a game? And you go, uh, I don't have dice. You, you might not need them. No, you might not need them. So let's, let's talk about when you won't need them or how that even works sure sure because i think i I think you i mean you can technically do anything with anything but unless you understand kind of the mechanics of what it's really meaning Mm -hmm. you could really lose out on like having a quality game yeah there's some things to think about there's definitely some considerations to make there there is and and, And you put out some really good ones just in in our chat over dinner that i didn't fully admit to thinking about when it came up, I was like, oh, yeah, I could do it this way. And then you were like, yeah, but it adds this. I'm like, oh, okay, so theme does have a lot to do with it. Shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so uh, I think there's there's two there's two big th- considerations, and that's that's yeah. like the, kind of the, the, the theme, the feel of what it adds to the game. Right. But also the math behind it. Um, yeah. So, I mean, here's your here's your, your, your on-the-top warning. Warning, this show will contain at least a little discussion of math. Yes. Because we're talking about probability and yes. randomization. Yes. And that does involve a little bit of math. Now, we're going to be crunching numbers on the air, but, you know, a little bit of discussion about how those systems work and why you would want to use an alternate dice system or an alternative to a dice system um, and how that changes how probability outcomes happen Yes, um, is very important to the discussion. So... Uh, so first off, let's uh, let's talk about uh, just some game systems that use alternate dice systems. Okay. Um, so I, I think this is we got two categories um, that we were able to kind of break these down into, um, and those those were like partial replacements, um, or they use weird versions of dice. Sure. Uh, in systems that are entirely without dice. Yes, because like, uh, and I'll put this out there early because we could we did bring it up that Seven C does have an alternative to dice, but it is only in character creation mm-hmm. that they express that, and it's to help you with backgrounds and hubrises and virtues and you know figure out who you are and where you right. came from. Right. Um. So we're not we're not going into that because character creation is a whole other topic. We might do a show on that that includes those <laughs> elements, but we're we're not going to get into those. We're just talking about using it in the shall we say, day-to-day, scenario-to-scenario, episode-to-episode. Yeah, yeah, in, in, in the actual course of game. Yeah, whether it's whether it's combat, whether it's social, wh- whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. So uh, so first on our list was Savage Worlds. Yes. Uh, now, Savage Worlds uses an interesting... It's, it's like just a little bit of everything. Um, so it uses yeah, dice. It does. Um, but it also uses cards, mm-hmm. like a, a deck of playing cards for uh, specifically initiative, which I thought was really interesting. Um, and... Uh, so that kind of uh, kind of mixes things up, and it also adds an interesting dimension where not only do you have um, a hierarchy of numbers, but you've also got a hierarchy of suits. Yes. And then jokers are essentially critical successes on uh, on initiative. Nice. And allow you to uh, basically insert yourself wherever you want, even interrupting someone. You know, right? Uh, someone's play. Like, okay, well, he's going to raise a gun and he's going to shoot your friend. Well, no, he's not because I'm actually going to go before him now. Is this like a? It's like the John Wick moment where you like move the gun and it fires off in another direction, kind of thing. You're actually inserting. You're like, no, no. <laughs> like, yep, I got a little speed on you. Yep. Okay. Uh, and it also uses uh, chips of tokens yes. or some sort of thing like that. Um, uh, very much in a- akin to like fates, fate points, or. Uh, uh, some drama, dice. drama dice, yeah, yeah. Um, and they're they're called bennies, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. for benefits, obviously, yep. in uh, in Savage Worlds. So you're gonna get a little bit of everything in that. Um, fate, I just mentioned. Uh, fate traditionally uses six sided dice, but does not use your traditional one through six d six. 
Uh, the fate dice are four six-sided dice that have two pluses, two minuses, and yes. two blank slots. I had them. to make my own fate dice uh-huh. uh, for uh, the one game that we played. They were terrible because I am not an artist, mm-hmm. and uh, basically it looked like worse than a child with a crayon, I think, is the best way I could put that. <laughs> so, But they were they were fast. They were fast. But they got the job done, needless to say. Yep, 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 yep. So. We actually got some, uh, some blank-faced dice as well, mm. uh, and I was trying to do some things with ink on them uh and then sean uh sean actually uh has access to a uh a, a laser yeah for, for, for etching of that uh, nice yeah, at work and so he did some uh, interesting things with that mm, as well good to know mm. good to know mm-hmm. <laughs> um so fantasy flight games is actually uh well known for doing weird ass dice <laughs> there was two games right off the top of my head and i i, I stopped looking after two because it's not really a, yes the, the topic tonight isn't about that correct um but uh legend of the five rings as well as the new star wars uh tabletop role-playing game oh use uh traditionally sided dice with, with their own set of symbols on them right uh so they're I, I again I don't know what those symbols are they're they're just symbols. Yeah. Like, so in the course of the game, you know, you may roll a certain number of dice. If they show up, they'll they'll indicate maybe you had a success but with consequence. Mm-hmm. Uh they might indicate an extraordinary success. They might indicate no success at all, but depending on what the game calls for, that's what those are the dice you roll. They're not your traditional 1 through 12s. Yeah, and I know there's I I went looking for it and I couldn't find it. Um but there is a game that uses, and I can't remember. I can't remember what the dice are called. But basically, they're six-sided dice. But instead of having the traditional numbers on it, you have um, you have six dice, mm-hmm. two sets of each of these, and like the first two sets of dice basically have um, one five, and I one five and four on it. Mm-hmm. Then the next die, the next set of dice, uh, one side is twos, and then there's one six and fours and then the last set of dice is has three sixes and the rest are one and three ones weird yeah and it's the idea is is that you you use those at different times but you Mm -hmm. you have to combine them okay so you you always have to pick uh three dice and you can never have two from the same set huh so or more than two from the same, you know, basically. So the okay. whole idea is, is that, like, so I may grab, and then once they're used, they're done for that scene until, like, this reset moment. So basically, you're, they're weighted dice, but you might have critical failures more often on certain sets, and clearly yeah. you're not going to hit your numbers on it others. It skews the probability really weird, yeah. Really hard. Really yeah. hard. But it but it still creates a level of fate oh, to it, so, yeah. Samantha in the, uh, the live chat says uh, Genesis uses weird dice. I oh. I don't know that I know Genesis. I'm not sure. I, uh, another system to look up. All okay. right. Uh, who publishes Genesis? Can you tell us in the live chat, please? Thank you. Yeah, we'll come back. Um, all right. So we discussed uh, a little bit about games that use some 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 sort of alternate dice yeah, yeah, systems, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but aren't completely ones. Now, what are ones that are entirely diceless? Well, you mean you speak of Dread right off the bat. Oh, like, Dread immediately. Yeah, again, we brought it up multiple times. We have, I, I have yet to play it, mainly just because I'm not into that level of suspense for my games <laughs> traditionally. Um, but uh, although I will flat out say there was a surgery game that oh? I did not think was going to be that big of a thing. I watched a little bit of it, and they used the Dread Jenga system for a surgery game. Oh, surprise, and, surprise. Genesis is a fantasy flight of game. Course so, yeah, of course okay. it is. Of course it is. Okay, you. that makes sense. Thank you. Sorry, uh, surgery. But anyways, uh, so they used the Jenga tower for it. So basically, uh, they were, uh, it was called like Field Hospital. Okay. And everybody was either a surgeon or an assistant. Okay. So as they did things, they had to pull from the tower, and it was, is the patient going to live or die? Oh. Oh, so the more so things it, you do, the, right. the more chance. Exactly, gotcha, exactly. Gotcha, and gotcha. Uh, apparently someone also did it uh, as an adjunct. Like, they were playing a normal game, but they had an airship that was under attack, and every time it took damage, someone had to pull from oh, the tower because they were fixing it or keeping it going. Okay, okay, okay. If okay. it fell, it meant that it was falling from the sky. Right. And they couldn't repair it, and right. that person was critically injured. That's that's a great system. So you, it was an adjunct to something else. So uh-huh. I, I think you could totally throw it in. But continue, please. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So um, uh, I mean, dread dread uses it uh very uh, fatally. Yeah. Um, you oh, know yeah. where where if if the tower falls, last person to touch it is removed from the story. Either yep. they die, they go insane, they're mm-hmm. crippled, whatever. 
Um, but uh, yeah, and then it gets rebuilt. You pull some blocks and you continue play without that person. Yep. So, so it's a very tight game. It's, it's a survival horror mechanic. Yeah, at that and point. I and technically with something like that, you could play it anywhere. So as long as you got a flat surface and the Jenga, why not? Right. And honestly, Jenga's not that big of a box to to carry around. It's not. I think you can pick one up for what 10, 15 bucks. Yeah. So even if you were on the road and you're like, Hey, your friends are like, Hey, I want to do a, a, an RPG with you. You know, well, do you want it to be a little suspenseful? Sure. All mm-hmm. right. Nobody buy anything. I'm going to go get, go to Meyer and grab a Jenga tower. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now there's also games that can be played with a deck of cards. Um, true. Yes, yes, definitely. So you've got, uh, through the breach by weird games. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the tabletop version of their, uh, skirmish miniatures game called Malifaux. Um, I'm a huge Malifaux fan. Um, unfortunately we just don't play it anymore. Cause like nobody's really doing the miniature thing anymore. I think, um, well, yeah. for, for now anyways, but, uh, actually I, I'm wondering how, how quickly or how long it'll be before people start doing the Tella miniatures where like, uh, the old Civil War guys and uh, uh, Rudimary Wars, they would set up their own boards and then they would send their movements. Oh, those, yeah. Like, but, but, oh, like you used to do in like the 80s. Mm-hmm. Or you even earlier, that. like with the bulletin board systems where yeah. it used to actually send the file. Either bulletin board systems or like you could actually, I've heard of people doing that by mail. With Battletech. Yeah. Yeah. Full yeah. movements in Battletech and uh, some Warhammer did that. Oh, I got wonder. Original yeah. Warhammer. So please continue. I got to wonder about Sorry. that. Uh, okay, so anyways. Um, Into the Breach. Or so Through the Breach. Th- through the Breach by Weird Games. It's the the, ver- the tabletop uh, role-playing game version of, uh, of of their skirmish game, Malifaux. Um, so it's a sort of a steampunky game. It's like, uh, what, like a group of, you got like five minis or somewhere between five and six minis. Yeah, you'll have a crew. It's, it's usually between like, you know, I would say probably four to eight. Yeah. Um, some some crews have like a lot of little minions and some crews excel in just having like a couple big champions. Sure, sure. Um, but yeah, it's played on a small table with a small number of minis and uh, all the mechanics are done with a uh, with a deck of cards. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Malfo typically uses a special deck, um, but it is a just an artistically... Um, different deck than a regular playing card deck, and it's and you have your own deck, yeah. even though our decks are the same. Effectively, Correct. they just look different. My crew would have a certain look to it, but our decks really wouldn't change much. Uh, well, your your decks are actually the same. Like I said, it's it's it is actually a, a, a fifty two card right. or fifty four because it's got two jokers in it. Right. Um, deck of playing cards. Just like I said, if you get the official Malifaux decks, like mm-hmm. the suits are different, but there's still four suits. Right. And there's still like I think it's like Rams, Crows, uh, masks, and something else. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it's basically hearts, clubs, spades, and and yeah. you know diamonds. Uh, so you can play you can you can play it with a standard mm-hmm. deck of cards. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so what what you do with those is uh, every task has a target number to it of course um your uh character is going to have your various stats and so when you want to make a test you can either flip a card from the top of the deck and add it to your stat and if it is high enough you can um uh you'll then uh have the ability to do it or you'll have a handful of cards okay and you can decide to cheat fate by just playing a card swapping it so out if you will you know what you're going to get imagine you know if, if this were dice having like 5d 20 sitting in front of you right with various numbers on them and being able to choose instead to supplement one of your dice well it's like the one diviners class that gives you two dice that you can submit in very it similar exactly works like the diviner yeah. in D. yes right um so you could you can cheat fate that way right um uh but of course, you know you only get a certain number of cards. You're in your burning hand. out your hand, yeah. And so you've got high cards, but you've also got low cards, and you don't get those high cards back until you've burned out all of your cards. So essentially, you have to throw some low cards in there, either to accept a failure mm-hmm. or skim on, by on really cheap rolls. You know, like this is pretty much a gimme, right? You know, and I can do it with a two because right. I'm good enough, right? Right. Um. Another one that, uh, that that works with cards, although it is a uh, um, it's a special deck that comes with the system mm-hmm. um, because there's special suits and it's not 52 cards; it's a lot more. Yeah, uh, is Dragonlance Fifth Age? Yes, I ran an entire campaign on Dragonlance Fifth Age. Really? Yes, it was amazing. Okay. Um, 
It has, like I said, specialized cards. Right. Uh, specialized artwork on them. Mm-hmm. There's like eight different, or, sorry, nine different suits. Oh, Lord. There's eight for each one of the attributes. Okay. Um, and then a ninth one, which is dragons. And that's more like your calamity suit. Okay. Okay. So that's where your, your, I rolled a one botch sort of thing. Sure, sure, sure. Um, it's interesting because you're at the level of your character. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this was produced by TSR. So this oh, is actually, yeah, back like, in the this day, is an yeah. official D&D product, you know? Right, right. Um, so you, uh, uh, depending on the level of your character, it depends on how many cards you have in hand. Right. Okay. Um, when you want to do an action, it depends on what, what attribute that action is based upon. Okay. So for instance, you just use a simple like, strength check. I'm going to try to lift something heavy. Sure. Okay. So I'm going to take my strength attribute. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to take one card from my hand, and I'm going to throw it and add my strength attribute to its to its numerical value. Okay. Okay. So that gives me my total. Mm-hmm. So if I have a five strength and I threw a five, I have a ten total. Now, if the card I threw was a sword, mm-hmm. which is the suit of strength, that is called that's trump for for strength checks. So I then take the top card from the draw deck and flip it over and add that. Oh. And if that's a sword. I flip another card and add that. And if that's a sword, ah. I have seen someone pull a 36. Because they just kept flipping. So like a they, super crit. Yes, yeah. a super crit. Nice. Um, just kind of like you've seen someone roll a 72 on, on two dice, dice on, in 7C. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it was the, the exact version of that. Yeah. Um, okay. Because they just pulled a bunch of orbs all in a row. Yeah. Um, and then the the dragons come in where if you, uh, if you, f- if you finish on a dragon... Whether it's because you threw it or because you flipped it, um, and you did not succeed, that's mm-hmm. a botch. If you succeed, it's fine. And then something happens. But yeah, but then something bad happens. Um, but some real interesting, like you know, real interesting mechanics there. And two, like those are also your hit points. Uh, so if you are dealt damage, you have to discard numerical values up to the amount of damage you were dealt. So it removes options from you, which is a real interesting mechanic because it's one of the only, I think probably the only D&D system that incorporates a debilitation mechanic into hit point loss. That's true. Everything else, even at one hit point, you are fully capable of fighting. Yeah, which is, I mean, it's simpler. It's simpler. It's simpler. Um, But there are, I mean, if you go into D&D's finer mechanics, there are all kinds of gritty things that they threw in Mm -hmm. that you could definitely roll into. Oh, you could. You could. And and make it more. And I think there are some stuff related to exhaustion and crippling um, that that are in there as far as the gritty stuff goes. But you really have to push it in. It's not, it's obviously not default. Yeah, it's not core rules. And I think it's even like in the alternate section of of the the, the DM's guide. Yeah. Whereas like 7C has it part of its death spiral is its its crippling effect. Yeah, absolutely. Once you get what half of your resolve is gone or half mm -hmm. half of your dramatic wounds. Half of your dramatic wounds. Yeah. Half your dramatic wounds, your dice no longer explode. Well, that's the thing is in sixth of the, when they, when they bumped from uh, first to second edition, Uh they changed the spiral and what happens. It basically, you get better as you get as things get more dangerous things get different oh yeah that's right so uh but in the original system yeah basically your dice no longer explode Mm -hmm. and then you know other things start crippling you down from there and you take losses and it 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 gets bad it gets bad whereas in second edition it's like you get backed into a corner and now you're pulling it's an ego mentoya yeah you're pulling aces out your your out of your sleeve yeah but you're dying still uh there is a uh a game we, we've mentioned a handful of times on here, Amber, which is entirely diceless. Amber. Entirely everythingless. Yeah. There's no... I'd loved... I'd really love to mechanic. know if there is anyone in, in in our listening group, anyone under the age of... Let's be, let's be honest, 30. Anyone under the age of 30 who's played Amber... Yeah. And I'd like to know anyone in our anyone in our group who's played Amber and ended their last Amber game Amber game in an enjoyable state. <laughs> <laughs> like that was great. I would love to do that again. <laughs> you know, here's here's a little tidbit about Amber too. I was today years old when I learned that Eric Woodchuck uh, uh, made Amber. Yeah, I did not know. He's the same guy that <laughs> wrote a lot of the Palladium properties that you and I love. He did. He did, and there are definite connections. Yeah, if you I, look through. Once I learned that, I was like, "Oh, that makes sense." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no loss there, Hulu. No that loss. Makes, that makes so much sense now. Yeah, no loss there. I, I, I don't expect many because it's, it had a peak at a certain time, uh-huh. 
but only in certain circles with certain people. Like, it, it really didn't, like, unless you knew somebody who was part of that mind frame, mm-hmm. you, you never even knew about it. So. Now, here's a, here's an interesting one for you. I found one last game. Oh. It's called Macabre Tales uh, by Spectrum Games. Interesting. Yeah, and it uses dominoes. That sounds fantastic. Now, here's the cool thing about dominoes. Yeah. Is that dominoes are essentially just 2D6. Yes. But if you're using dominoes, you have specific, discrete pairs of yes. 2d6 on them. Yeah. And so you can use... It's it's like having 2d6 without as cards. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So it could be, could be interesting. Could be interesting. If you don't have dice, but you do have dominoes, you still have 2d6. That's... Well, depends on the domino sets that you have, because True. there are some. Um... Yeah, that could be interesting. I I could also see someone creating a mahjong set, mm-hmm. a, a a a fantasy themed mahjong set. That could be interesting. That could you be know. real interesting. Yeah, because now you've got a whole nother element that's layered on top of that. That's kind of what this adventurer's tarot is. It sort of is to Only a degree. Instead of tiles, it's cards. Yeah, you know, but so. it's it's imagery. It's oh yeah, names. Yep, you know, yep. they're it's, symbols. Yep, very much so. All right, so let's let's now. Bring it around a little bit. All right, so, so yeah, we talked a whole hell of a lot about about so when we, systems. When we talk about dice, we're talking about adding an element of random or fate, whatever you want to call it, into the story. A threshold of success, mm-hmm. um, you know, of conquering something or achieving something. Um, and so when we're talking about that, we're also talking, in mathematics terms, probability and risk. Yeah. I think those are the two real things that come out of it. Um, I mean, obviously with like a Jenga tower, your risk is it falling. Yeah. Your own, I mean, but at the same time, it's not, your probability goes down as tiles get pulled. Mm -hmm. It is not a straight probability because things change constantly on it Mm -hmm. and and can make that even, that probability weaker or stronger. And even the skill of the person manipulating the tower at the Mm -hmm. time is a factor. Like, Dice rolling is just dice rolling. Somebody that, but... farting in the room can change the probability of the tower. Like, yes. there's literally a number, any yes. number of things that go on to that. I mean, you could say the same thing about dice rolling across the table, that it's the surface, that it's the, mm-hmm. the tile of dice, things like that. But I swear that they ha- the probability numbers go way up on a Jenga tower. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but, but the important thing to note about any sort of alternate system, well, really any system in, in, in general, including dice, mm-hmm. okay, including when you're rolling, you know, multiple dice or different sides of dice and stuff like that, is to, and I warned you, there was going to be math, yes. to understand the probability. Yes. Okay. Um, I'm not good at this. I'm just saying that. Uh, I am, I'm actually pretty good about this, which is why That's I play craps when I went to Vegas. I, I play craps too, but I know the system. I don't know the probabilities. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, I play safe and i play i play to win yeah i don't play for the and then once i'm at my point i you know after i've made back what i threw on the table i'm playing with their money now it's just pure entertainment at this yep. point yep get I, enjoy I, it as I, much I made as you enough want. to buy dinner tonight at the nice restaurant let's go yeah, yeah exactly exactly so um but the the important thing is to to understand the probability behind things mm-hmm. um, so when you roll a die you have a basically a one in what on in however many sides. We'll use a d twenty two to uh, a d twenty two uh, to to explain this metaphor. Sure, sure. Um, so you have one in twenty chance of getting any one of those numbers. Okay. Okay. Now, anytime you roll that die, it's always a one in twenty chance. Correct. Of any of those numbers happening. Right. Um. So rolling it five times doesn't change the probability of that or anything like that. Right. Okay. So. The only thing that you have in a on a twenty sided die that that really focuses the probability is the fact that the numbers are one through twenty. Mm-hmm. But other than that, there there's no because you're not combining it without any, with anything. It is a straight single roll. It is a single probability. It is just as much just as likely to roll a seven mm-hmm. or a one as it is to roll a twenty or a sixteen, right? Or anything like that. Whereas if you're uh, some of the games that you know start with you always roll two d six and add your value. Now you're rolling two dice that have six values. What is the odds that you're going to get a value over a certain threshold? Now, now one in thirty-six. But different combinations make numbers correct. So seven is a one in one in six chance. 
whereas a 2 or a 12 is a 1 in 36 chance. Right. And everything else in between there. So it starts getting a lot more complex in between there. And like I said, we're not going to go through the hard no, numbers on it. No, we're not. But, but you understand that that's the sort of thing you end up with dice. Yes, okay? very much so. But again, with dice, anytime you roll them, you have those chances. Correct. Rolling the multiple times in a row does not change those chances. And also, when you're dealing with dice, you don't traditionally work with diminishing returns. You're never mm-hmm. reducing the number of dice that you have, unless you're getting advantages or disadvantages and things like that, which do some alteration to that. The the term that they use in uh, probabilistic uh, you know, mathematics and stuff like that is with, without replacement. Yes. Okay. So, for instance, we talked about cards as a mechanic. Yes. And how when you throw away your good cards, all you have left is your bad cards. Right. So that is a randomization system without replacement. Okay. Okay. So, if we're playing with a deck of cards and I throw the King of Hearts, Mm -hmm. the King of Hearts is gone until it gets shuffled back in. Right. Okay. So now, any other card has a 1 in 51 chance Mm -hmm. and an absolutely 0% chance of being the King of Hearts. Right. At that point, you all of your probabilities change. Yeah. And so with any subset of that group, like I said, uh, maybe a deck of uh, a hand of 13 cards on my on my half. Okay. That has some low cards, Brian. some medium cards and some high cards. Even if I'm drawing those randomly, mm-hmm. I'm not getting my high ones back until the rest of them are gone. Yes. You know. Okay. Um so you you do end up with what we call as diminishing returns. Um, and it and it can alter the game because you can be left in a situation where you cannot produce a good result. Mm-hmm. You cannot succeed. You have to find a fa- you have to accept a failure. All I've got left in my hand is a two and a three, That's and a I need at least a seven to success is to succeed here. Yep. So I throw the three or I throw the two or whatever because knowing that it's going to suck, mm-hmm. and I just have to accept it. You know. Yep. Yep. Um, what this does for you though is this allows for a forced system of ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Okay. We've all played games mm-hmm. where your dice are either hot that night, mm-hmm. or what sucks even more is when your dice aren't hot that night. Right. Um, I remember one night we were playing my game, uh, our rogue couldn't roll above a four on a d20. It was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. Um, so when you're dealing with things like that, where you, where you do have guaranteed highs and lows mm-hmm. mixed in, you know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. You know? You know at least some of your things are going to be amazing. Yeah. You also know some of your things are going to suck. Right. And it's up to you, really, where you want to mix those sort of things in. Right. Um, all right. So there's cards. Right. We talked about Jenga towers. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we talk about dice. We know what the, we have a certain level of probability. And again, no diminishing. With cards, we have diminishing. Mm-hmm. I think the one thing that we haven't talked about is... is kind of skillful things and that's where i'm going to step us just for a moment away from this and that is larping oh yeah where in in larp there is no dice in some cases it's contact it's literally skill versus skill uh-huh. right hey whether or not i can hit you with a ball a, a spell packet whatever lightning bolt exactly or if i can hit you with a sword around the shield that you're carrying mm-hmm. right or if that even matters mm-hmm you know, some of the games, you know, bashing damage includes the shield. If I make contact with you in any way, I am bashing. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, um, or you have things like um, uh, Vampire. Yeah. Where you had, you know, gestures. You had rock, paper, scissors. Rock, paper, scissors. You know, that was a way to do it. And that is a game of skill to a degree. Boulder, parchment, shears. That's right. Um, and then you also had things that added on top of that mm-hmm. that trumped certain activities and mm-hmm. weights so you were still adding a character's level of skill on top of a game of chance slash skill right right and that's where things get different because again your probability is there without a doubt but it's also a matter of being a little cunning as well and knowing when you can do that so i think you're you're moving it from the far end of the spectrum of true probability and fate mm-hmm. to a, a point of this is on me. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a, and and there's a bit of a mind game to that too. Very much like, so. Like you know, psyching the other person out. Mm-hmm. Um, in uh, specifically the vampire LARP, uh, and I don't know, I, I don't know what the recent you know the most recent rules no, the do system I, looks so. like. But when I played it back in college, mm-hmm. um, 
the system had rock, paper, scissors, mm-hmm. but there was also, if you had certain abilities, would give you the bomb. Yes. And the bomb was a th- fourth throw you could make, mm-hmm. um, which was a, a closed fist with a thumbs up mm-hmm. to represent the wick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it would beat scissors, or sorry, it would destroy paper and rock, but scissors could snip the wick on it. Right. And you would have to declare it. When you when you were making a check, if you had the bomb, you would have to say, "Okay, we're going to test. I have the bomb." Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing: you don't have to throw the bomb. No, but just looking the person in the eye and saying, "I have the bomb," now makes them go, "Oh crap!" Right now, I are they going to throw it? Like they declared it. Right. Is this should I throw scissors now because that's the only thing that beats the bomb? Are they just going to throw a rock now because? That beats scissors. Right. Thinking that I'm going to throw scissors because they declare, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the mind games begin. Which uh, is a chunk of Vampire within itself. Oh, it is. So I, I think it, it added a level of difference to it. It did. So, I thought it was great, honestly. But, and you don't have to carry around dice or any other like physical um, tool to resolve things. Right, right. And so my thought is, is that stepping you know segueing us into the next section is what does that do to the gameplay mm-hmm. of the system so now like i mean yeah you could have used a card system just as easily or or any number of other uh, physical systems that aren't that are portable sure you know beyond dice but why rock paper scissors how does that change what vampire is on a connection because if number one it takes contact out of it i don't have to make contact with you you don't have to make contact with me so that's yep. good for any Good LARP. Yes. Right? Yes. But it's still a challenge. It puts challenge back into it. It mm-hmm. puts wits against wits. It puts, you know, whether or not you're going to accept what I'm about to do or you're going to challenge me and add weight to your, your conversation. And honestly, it's probably the easiest and most, like, simple and accessible randomization possible. Yeah. I mean, how many times have you and you and a buddy been going to the car and, like, both called shotgun at the same time? Right. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'll match all you right. for it. Oh, darn, yeah. you know? Exactly. Yeah, uh, we just did that. <laughs> exactly. He threw scissors, I threw paper. Yep. Um, so he gets to ride shotgun and I get I get to ride bitch. Uh, but I digress. Uh, but it's it's still the most simple form and probably the most accessible form of randomization out there. Right. But what does it do? How does it make you feel when you're playing that game? How does that mechanic change the game? I would say it adds an element of person to person. It is no yep. longer the dice making the decisions. It's, yeah. It is no longer that. It is now me challenging you it's or you challenging me. Yeah. It is very personal. And that game is very personal, so it helps add to the ambiance of it that if if I walk into a room and someone comes over and challenges me, it looks like a physical contact the moment that we come up to each other, right? Mhm. And there is a physical interaction that's occurring. You know, so now I'm challenging you with what I'm doing. Or people are obfuscating and stepping out, you know, or stepping into the umbra, whatever. They're physically making actions that change yeah. the course of it. So in that, it still keeps it a physical, connective exactly. game. Exactly. That has exactly. tension, that has action, that has reaction. It has a person-to-person connection. Yeah. And, yeah. No. And, I, and so for that, any game that would give you those mechanics, definitely add weight to that. Mm-hmm. So, um... And so, it's smooth too. Yeah, relatively. Like, I think I mean, there's how, some... how long does it take you to go, okay, let's check. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. That's it, you know? Yeah. I, I think there's a certain sense of cheapness with some people who do it, but there are. we'll 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 digress away from that. So yeah. um You but... know there there's another there's another LARP uh uh mechanic that came to mind when I was uh, when I was thinking about this too. What's that? Uh so you and I both played a fantasy LARP called Kanar. We did. Um, and I remember that there was a mechanic when you were resurrecting people. Oh, the, 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 the marbles, the marbles, bag. the bags of marbles. That's actually used in some other games. Yep. Um, I haven't heard about that one in forever. And yeah. it's the number of marbles that go in gives you whether or not you succeed or failure. So if, if I'm remembering it correctly, it's like 10 white marbles in the bag by default. And then every yeah. time your character has died, one of those white marbles gets replaced with a black marble. Correct. And then when after you have performed the whole resurrection ritual and expended the resources for yep. it, 
um, you then draw a marble. And yes. if it's a black one, it fails. Mm -hmm. And you need to try it again. And I, I couldn't remember... Do you remember if the... Um, uh, if failing the ritual puts another black marble in there? It, I remember it did. Uh, so yeah, it actually hurts the soul to, to, to fail to resurrect it. Uh, makes it harder and harder and harder. So there, there was... There was resurrection, but there was a certain point at which the diminishing returns yeah. made your character's death permanent. Yeah. And I really loved that mechanic. Um, and it was just as simple as, as uh, again, you know, probability with replacement. You dip your hand into a bag of marbles and you just draw one without looking and you accept that outcome, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Simple probability to manipulate, too, because it's 10 marbles, it's 10% chance for anything. So. Yeah. I mean, it's what it is. Uh, you had a couple. You had a couple other ones uh, down here, uh, like drawing straws and stuff like that. Like, yeah. Have you ever seen that in a game sense, though? I mean, like, I have. Okay. Okay. <laughs> first, Tell first, me some stories here, because so, I, I was curious when you jotted those down. So I saw it at a convention actually, and it was a game that was very light. Okay. <clears throat> um, it was basically a game about you're playing a chibi, basically, uh, in a in a, a small town. This is big eye, small mouth. Kind of okay. thing. Uh, and, uh, you were, uh, your success rate was based upon the, the, the chi of the town, which were all of these sticks that were different lengths Okay. and all came to a cap. And so whenever you did something, you pulled a stick mm -hmm. and then you compared it to the challenge oh. to see how successful or how much you failed. And then that would change the chi of the town the next time around. So what you're saying is this whole game was nothing more than a stick measuring contest? Pretty much. <laughs> but again, in the cutest sense of the word, and so yeah. you basically, you'd you'd then do the scenario. Oh, that's like, cool. They would lay out, you know, this is the challenge for the scenario because I built it up this way. Okay, let's see how well we do. And you always knew that mm -hmm. there were so many long ones and so many short ones to make it up. Right, right, right. Well, the neat part about that game, if I remember correctly, was that uh, the chi was a total length. Okay. You could use whatever sticks, you could put whatever sticks you wanted in there. Mm -hmm. So you could do a whole bunch of little sticks to make the chi of the town so everybody had, so that the, the, the odds were e more even. Okay. But there were still chances for longs and shorts because sure, you sure, had sure. to put so many longs and so many shorts in. Uh -huh. Or you could just do long, 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 you know, and then now you just get the short so you know exactly what the what it's going to be. So you could alter the states, but it was all dependent on stores, uh uh, day to day, mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. day of the day of the change. So it was just a neat system. It was different, cool. but it was very story based. It was yeah, very yeah, story based. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you've also got like scatter and throw bones. So I d I've never seen it. Okay. Um, but there, uh, there's a game that uses a, um, a sheet or a page mm -hmm. that has a circle on it and uh, zones on it. Okay. Uh, and you, uh, you drop onto the board five pieces. Okay. Uh, and based on where they fall, that is the success and failure. So if it's a combat encounter, obviously you're trying to drop in a certain area, but they're going to scatter. Interesting. Now, that I saw done more effectively in a kind of LARP sense. We did a game at Gen Con mm -hmm. where the combat that they did was you'd have your weapon or your spell as basically like a, a pog almost. Okay, okay. And you'd slide it down a shuffleboard... At a target. Oh. And the thing was a giant board with little circles on it, and, like, this was worth five, this was worth ten, I this is a critical everything hit. everything about this. Combat were, ski ball. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. But, you're, but, <laughs> every, board, yeah. but everybody would do it. So you could knock other people's into things, oh, into wow. zones, or knock them out of it, but you were working as a group now, to defeat were your, a monster. Were your support characters with brooms down there, like, no. sweeping in front of it? No, or, okay, a lot okay. of times your support characters were spending things to keep you alive during the encounter because there were other things that happened okay, okay, as okay. the shuffles happened because it was technically a live room while you were doing it. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was neat. It was it was very different way of doing it, but I liked the shuffleboard technique because the one thing that it did that I thought I, I didn't think about till later was mm -hmm. this gave people of any physical quality, the ability leveling the playing field, we're all just shuffling down a table. That's uh -huh. it. So I could be in a wheelchair, I could be standing upright, didn't matter. Sure. I, I'm at the table, I can work it. Sure. You know, I can use a device if I need to, to help me get it down there. Mm -hmm. It just changed, and it was quick. 
You didn't. You weren't losing dice. You weren't trying to read numbers. It was did my pog make it down there? Right. right you know, right. And, and land in the circle. That's, that was it. That's real interesting. Actually. Yeah. That's yeah. Real interesting. So to sum up. <laughs> A little bit about the uh, 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 about what we talked about tonight. So yeah, you're, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of different systems out there. Um, most of these systems are built directly into the game system. Um, but I'm sure you know if if, if you if you know your way around uh, different systems of randomization, you know cards and whatnot, you could probably do some really you know uh, interesting things on the fly. You could probably play D and D with a deck of cards or a tarot deck or something like that. Yeah. Um, Pretty easily, but you need to understand how the probability works mm-hmm. um, behind it. At least, at least on the surface, you need a rough understanding of it. Um, and also, you know, give some thought to how the, uh, you know, how the randomization system that you're using feels within the scope of the game. Yes. Um, and that was kind of, I think, the one thing we didn't really touch on tonight was that, like, you know, there are certain dice systems or certain randomization systems that are going to uh, skew very heavily towards um, failure. Uh, we talked a bit about that when we were talking about World of Darkness. Um, yeah, how so like, things were... it, I, I think that if you have a situation where, like, if it skews more toward failure, your your players know they're going to fail. I think the Jenga and Dread kind of skews itself toward a level of failure. Oh, it does. Or it, an eminent failure. Dread's its own thing, but I'll but, um, get to that in a second, but, yeah. But it that's the extreme example. Yeah, That yeah. pushes that, but it, it gives you the I'm thinking more feeling. like World of Darkness, where, like, the more dice you throw, actually, the more unwieldy it gets, because you have a greater sense of, a greater, greater chance for failure, then. Um... And those are systems you're going to want to employ for things like that are that are more horror based, I suppose. You know, where you're where a successful outcome is not guaranteed, and where failure is going to be something commonplace. Yes. Um, on the other hand, if you're using a randomization system that skews heavily towards success, you may want to use that for a heroic story where the good guys always win. Right. You exactly. Know? Success is kind of assumed, like a, but sometimes like you'll fail, and game. that might be that might be interesting. Yeah, yeah. like a seven C game. I mm-hmm. think that's a I think that's another perfect example of of leaning into that direction. So. Uh, you know, and also that the, the randomization um, system uses uh, or, or uh, enhances the feel in a certain way. So, for instance, um, Deadlands, you know, would be played with cards and chips. Yes, you know, uh, it's also the, the 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 new version of it is played with a Savage Worlds system, um, right? So that's where kind of where your cards and your chips come in, right? Um, but again, it, it lends itself to that gambling thing, the poker thing, the Wild West thing, yeah. You know? Um, so it enhances that feel already when you've got a deck of cards and a stack of poker chips in front of you. You're already kind of feeling Wild Westy, yeah. And it uh, it continues that feel. And there's no reason why you can't pause a mechanic in a specific game, mm-hmm. like uh, like D and D. And shift to that mechanic for a specific scene. Absolutely, I especially, think it, especially I think if you great. need a certain mechanic, you know. Exactly. Um, and then, like, I I loved a fangirl over dread, um, because not only is it a great system for diminishing returns, where failure is inevitable and disastrous when it happens, um, because every single pull from that tower you make makes it more unsturdy, and you know what the end result's going to be. Indeed. But also. Everyone can see it, mm-hmm. and it is just sitting there in the middle of the table. Everyone looking at it, watching it sway when somebody's pulling a car, a, 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 a block out of it. And I mean, it's right there in the name, dread. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yep. So, do you want to get into questions? Let's get into some questions. Yeah. All right, I, I'm actually going to step away for just a second while you're asking that first question. All right, we will start off with Knox in a box. Uh, so Noxenbox asks, uh, are there any games that decide things via a lottery-type mechanic, like those tumblers with the textless colored balls? Um, I am not aware of any games that lean on that directly as a mechanic, but you know what? You absolutely could. Um, and the great thing about that would be that you could determine what the colored balls mean, uh, you could determine how many of each you want to put in, so if you want to skew very heavily, say, towards success, you could put in a lot of green balls and maybe a few red balls. Well, I think, you know? uh, let's go back to Canar. Uh, that was yeah, two-color got... system, and that was a pass-fail situation. But again, I think that fits within this it mechanic. Yeah. Um, but I could easily see... Um, I could easily see a system that gives you a secondary benefit. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, if you had pass-fail critically succeed mm-hmm. you could do that and again that that weights it in that direction without a doubt yeah adds a third color in there mm-hmm. and maybe you know out of 20 you've got one 
Right. It's a golden ball or something like that, you know. Right. And and or a your... black one that uh, that mm-hmm. means, you know, uh, 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 critical failure. Well, there's nothing know? to say also that uh that your scenes can't dictate that as well. Like mm-hmm. as you're losing energy, things are being removed. That's true. You know, or your your fatigue is adding to pieces into it. Very true. So you Very could true. easily do that with the system. I'm, yeah, I'd be excited. I, to see I what, could see a mountain climbing game that did that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You change know. change the probabilities at any given time by pulling or adding mm-hmm. certain things out of the randomization pool and then mm-hmm. working with that. Yep. Yeah, you could do a lot of stuff with that. Mm-hmm. You could mm-hmm. do a lot of really cool stuff with that. Yeah, I would totally think so. Okay. Um, the Mad Elf asks, uh, playing cards, Jenga towers, uh, rock, paper, scissors, lizard, Spock, uh, bidding points, costing tokens, boffers, straight comparison, static numbers. So many options. Which are ones that you enjoy the most and why? I think it really came down to the feeling of the story and mm-hmm. where I was at. Like, boffer fighting was fun. Because it was athletic. Yeah. It was something to do that. But I didn't need to do that all the time in a LARP. Most yeah. of the time it was conversation more than anything else. Um, the uh, the next piece beyond that then is how do you deal with uh, either a static number system like a card system, mm-hmm. which I can, would consider a static number system, um, or straight comparison system, which I guess you could say is still skill based with the the rock paper scissors um or coin tosses i've i I have a little more issue with those mm-hmm. just because they are exceptionally confrontational, almost feeling more confrontational than combat, yeah like physical bobber combat um but like the Jenga tower just thinking about playing a game around that mm-hmm. is is a stress in my head and and that is not something I need right now in right. like in twenty twenty but that means it's doing its job though you know. <laughs> Exactly, it's 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 leaning right there. But I think the cards are neat. I think yeah. it's a different system. It's cool. I'm excited. I, and the I, the Malifaux cards specifically, like that kind of a system, is neat. Yeah, I really I really like the where it's like you know I could flip from the deck, but you know what? I'm just I want to assure success here, so I'm going to throw the ten out of my hand. Yeah, and and we're just going to deal with the consequences of that one later. <laughs> yeah, that's a problem for future me. Um, <laughs> That's a fight on site. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I think probably uh, of of the the the, the non dice systems I've seen, um, I mean LARP always holds a special place in my heart um, because I do enjoy the battle for combat. But, but but again, probably because it's athletic and I, honestly, I'm I'm older now and I hurt. I get to the point where I just hurt now, so I don't think the battle for combat would be as great for me anymore. Um, but the uh, but the but the cards I think from in, from through the breach probably win it for me. Okay. Okay, that's fair. That's um, fair. And, I'm, and I'm excited to see how Savage World plays out. Yeah. Um, I've I've been doing some looking into it. I haven't actually played it yet, but we'll we'll get there. Yeah, yeah. I would I would say the playing cards are are the, which one of the reasons why I went in, in on the Kickstarter. Oh yeah. For this, I'm I'm interested to, yeah. to try and use this in different systems. Absolutely. And Absolutely. see see how it plays through. I'm gonna take this right home, and I'm gonna definitely read up on it and see see what we can do with it. Yeah. So. We so have plenty question. more than enough time for the last one. So yeah, our last question. Um, lots of alternate systems are either. Oh, sorry, this is Overwatch. Mm-hmm. Um, asks us. Lots of alternate systems are either gimmicks or used to change the feel to suit a particular game atmosphere. But what about alternate systems out of necessity? Things like prison spinners for contraband D anD D or dice alternatives when a pop up tabletop RPG happens on the road. What's a good robust everyday alternative system when uh, platonic solids, <laughs> great term, simply aren't an option? That's a, you know that's an excellent point about uh, playing D anD D in uh, like a prison environment. Um, I know that's that's a thing that's been happening, and I'm not sure that dice are really a thing that they they um, they they uh, prisoners are allowed to have. Cards are still very much allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that always gives a good piece there. Um, I think there was a little bit of a discussion about that. And I can't remember. There was an article that discussed it, and they they lightly glazed over the random factor and, yeah. and what they used. Um, but uh, um, they can't even get electronic things like using it off of like phones or anything because they're not allowed phones. Sure, sure, sure. You know, sure. or anything like that. So I would say for me. Um, cards are the best alternative there. Cards are probably the best alternative. Um, I think, like, especially if you're playing D&D, uh, 5th edition, which you could do, um, so, like, cards, you're gonna be essentially 1 through 13 in any given suit. 
Um, so what you could probably do is give each player a whole suit. Yes. 1 through 13. Mm-hmm. And then moderate or mod- modulate your target numbers lower mm-hmm. by like 5. 5 yeah. or 5 5 or maybe as much as 10. Mm-hmm. And then random draw a card uh, and with replacement so you'd always put it back afterwards. Um and that would give you a 1 through 13 randomization and then add that to your skill check. You know, it's essentially a d20 roll minus 7. Yeah. So I mean, you could do colored Stones, just as easily. You could. Or marked stones. You could, but the problem with that is that um, marked stones are... Uh, the reason dice work is because all sides are equal. It's uniform. It's what, uniform. No, and I mean yeah. picking stones. Oh, okay, yeah, You could yeah, do you something could, like that, or, co- or marbles. Yeah, you could random pick stones. Yeah, or marbles would marbles. be better because they're uniform. Out of some sort of, a, some sort of a bag that you can't a see. hat in. or something, yeah. Yeah, sure. Sure. Um... Or honestly, you know, if it really comes down to it, just a look. If the narrative is more important to you than the actual outcome of the um, of the game mechanics, just go with the rock paper scissors. Yeah, you know, give the benefit of the doubt to to the person. You know, if if it's an especially hard challenge, maybe they have to beat you two out of three. Yeah, or five out of seven. But I would honestly say, like, if you if I was going to be going on the road with enough people, where the chance of a game would be coming up, I'd probably bring two decks of cards. I'd probably go that with my as my go-to. Mm-hmm. I mean, nine times out of ten, I'll throw a pack of dice in just because. Because why not? You know, yeah. dice are small. But I think if we didn't have the the dice to work with, I think cards would be a good, solid alternative. Sure, sure. So at least that would be mine. All right. Uh, well, I think that's just for questions for us. Um... I think one of the things that interested me most about talking about this topic was it was something we don't do very often yeah it really isn't so like you and i are i mean we're we're pretty dired and mired in dice dice systems we loves us some uh clickety clackety math rocks oh thanks Knox. He, he actually just put in the article about uh yeah just the, saw uh, that. the tabletop in prisons i posted that to live chat it's a whole article on uh vice.com about mm-hmm. uh about how tabletop rpgs are played in prisons yeah that's fantastic that's i mean awesome. i guess you could do origami paper dice i i, I would question your origami skills i that, could you think you could make origami all uh, origami I mean, dice I make six siders yeah well i mean six siders four I, siders i can't do anything else yeah but i can do i can do or, or, origami six siders i don't know yeah. that they would they, I, I think with the right paper you'd probably be okay yeah sure so um so Next week, we're actually going to uh, revisit. Actually, I would say our storytelling styles. Yeah, it was a it was a topic we've covered in the past, but I think it, it's it's worth talking about again, um, especially given that you know we've we've got a, a, a broader knowledge. I think now, yeah, and we've got some new listeners and stuff like that who may not be going through our old past catalog and whatnot. Exactly. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk about uh, different styles of storytelling. Um, just you know, from the standpoint of you know who, people who lean more into the uh, into the numbers, people who lean more into the narrative, people who lean more into the theatrics. Uh, you know, and and how to tell the different uh, the diff- different styles of stories. Uh, yeah. using those. And we're not saying that I mean systems lean to a certain style, mm-hmm. but it does not make it so. And we'll kind of be you know gracing the idea that you can take any existing system and make it a style. You yeah. can make a D&D game feel like a narrative um uh, uh what was the term that I was going for? Uh gumshoe kind of story, mm-hmm. you know. Or you can go into Shadowrun and make it a dungeon crawl. Yeah. And and make it gritty and, and harsh, which it already is pretty much. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I think it's a fun topic, and we've gone around the board enough times that it, it'll probably be good to come back to it a little bit. Yeah. And then we've got a mini-series coming up after that that uh, isn't so mini. It's actually <laughs> we, probably going to take us to the end of the really year. We had a really productive meeting the other day where we came up with a lot of, a lot of the future show topics and stuff like that. So, uh, anyways, we will catch you next week. You can catch us on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave, on Instagram at ST underscore Conclave. Uh, listen to us live every Wednesday night at six, uh, six, uh, sorry 7 p.m. Eastern Time on MixLR.com slash Storyteller dash Conclave. And join us on Discord. You can find the link up at uh, on our website at storytellerconclave.com. 
Um, or up on our Twitter, we post it every single time, uh, every week when we, when we post up there as well. We'd like to thank our Patreon members, uh, Knox in the Box, Sam, uh, and the Arcane Asylum. Uh, we really appreciate all of you and everything you guys do to help support our show and the rest of our Patreon members. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find that at patreon.com slash arcane anthems. They are fantastic and free as well, but we always want to support them, and we do. Uh, the intro music you heard is Beyond the Warriors by Gee Frog. You can find that at Gee Frog Music. Uh, .webly.com. Our outro music, which you're hearing now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find that at SoundCloud.com slash Midair Machine slash Tracks. As always, we want to thank our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank you so much for uh, for helping thank us out you. with this all the time. Um, our friends who've sat with us at our tables throughout yes. the years, and all of you, every yeah. one of our listeners, we love you all. Love you guys. Stay safe. Good night. Good night.